so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. So this year's uh, word is abide. Uh, so usually it's a word or a phrase to center our thoughts around it. And, and so this year, uh, the, the thing on my heart to share with the church about where I feel like God's leading us to for 2020, um, I thought about making a lot of jokes about vision and 2020, but um, I won't. Um, this word, abide, is what I, I'm encouraging us as a church to sit with for 2020. It doesn't set aside our mission of who, who we're called to be or our vision um, in those kind of four vision pictures of where we're, we're, we're headed as a church, but, but it's something to centre and focus ourselves on in connection with that. And so this word comes from John 15, 5. Um, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You might be thinking... Where's the word abide? Well, if we actually want that word, we have to go to the, the King James or the New King James to, to find that translation. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. This is Jesus speaking. He, apologies for the gender-specific language, but that's the King James. He who abides in me, they who abide in me, and I in them bear much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. And so I want us to capture that word this year, abide. The focus of this passage that that Dan read for us this morning is all about fruitfulness, about being fruitful, about bearing fruit. And so we can see at the start of the passage in John 15, 1 to 2, back to the NIV here, "I I am the true vine. I am the true vine, Jesus says. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it will be even more fruitful. So Jesus is saying he's the vine, the father's the gardener, and the intended purpose for the branches, which he hasn't yet said, but he says later in that that verse 5 that we've already read, that's us. That's his disciples. And the intended purpose for the branches that are grafted into the true vine Jesus is that we bear fruit. Jumping down to verse 8, sorry, verse 9, Jesus says this, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so our vision should be for fruitfulness. Our, our, our focus, our direction, our, our desire as followers of Jesus, as, as children of God, should be for fruitfulness. That's our purpose. We're not ornamental figs. We're not uh, vines that are just grown to be leafy and, and kind of provide shade but not bear any fruit. We're not intended to just be a branch that sucks all the sap from the vine but, but produces no fruit. We're, we're meant to be fruitful. And Jesus says that this is for his Father's glory. The way we bring God glory is through being fruitful. 
as individuals, as, as followers of Jesus and together as a church, we're called, we're, we're purposed for fruitfulness. To bring God glory and also to show ourselves to be his disciples. Jesus says a few things about this. He says, they'll know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. And he says also here that, that we show that we're disciples by being fruitful. That's how we reveal ourselves to be disciples. And, and so Jesus gives us the, the very straightforward answer of how we accomplish fruitfulness. In verse 4 and 5, and, and this is a mashed together New King James Version, NIV. This is a mash together um, so that we can have that a word of abide from the King James and we can have the um, more inclusive language from the NIV. But Jesus says, abide in me as I also abide in you. So this isn't just about us being in Jesus. This is about Jesus being in us. As Paul says in Colossians, this, this great mystery that's been revealed in the gospel, this great hope is Christ in us, the hope of glory. We abide in Jesus. He abides in us. And he says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Who's ever seen a stick cut off from a tree, a vine, and, and thrown onto the concrete so that's got no chance of connecting to the soil? and seen it flourish and bear fruit. Raise your hand if you have seen that. So no branch can bear fruit by itself. This is self-evident. We know this. This is obvious. Jesus is not teaching us anything new here. <coughs> it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. He repeats this over and over. He wants us to get this point. Jesus says, me vine, you branch. Understand where we sit in the order of things. He is the vine. He is the source of all nutrients. We are the branches. Unless we're connected to him, there is no fruitfulness. I'm in the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do only a little bit. No, nothing. Our fruitfulness comes from our connection with Jesus. And so we don't need to, you know, we might think, oh, I need to be fruitful to show that I'm a disciple of Jesus. And so I'm really, 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 really trying to be fruitful. I'm trying to pop out some grapes from my branchiness. And, and, and so that might cause us anxiety until we, we hear that promise. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Other translations say, you will be abundantly fruitful. See, our fruitfulness doesn't come from effort. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't work hard for, for God's kingdom. The Apostle Paul says, I strive with all the strength God gives me. That doesn't mean we shouldn't work hard, but, but our fruitfulness does not come from our effort, from our striving, from our busyness. Our fruitfulness comes from one thing, from our abiding in Jesus. And connected with that is the other truth, and I'm saying stuff that's obvious here, 
from this passage, but I just want to bear it out that there is no fruitfulness if we do not abide in Jesus. If we abide in Jesus, we'll be abundantly fruitful. If we don't abide in Jesus, we'll produce zero. Sometimes it might look good. We might have a whole bunch of leaves happening. There might be a whole lot going on. But unless we're connected into Jesus, it won't be fruitful. It might be stuff that the world appreciates, that the world celebrates, that's considered a triumph and an accomplishment by the world, but, but unless it's fruit that comes from abiding in Jesus, it's, it's nothing in a kingdom sense, in an eternal sense. Our fruitfulness comes from abiding in Jesus, not striving, not busyness, not anxious toil, not social media campaigns. Abiding in Jesus equals fruitfulness. Full stop. Abiding in Jesus is the only source of fruitfulness. And and so for 2020, for, for that clear vision for 2020... I want to invite the church into a year of abiding in Jesus and his love as our vision and focus. Now, of course, just like Ben, all in for Jesus, just about living in the overflow of God, that this is something that shouldn't just be about one year. It's not something that should be about just, you know, we'll do that for 2020 and move on. But, but I believe that God's calling us into a year of specific focus on abiding in Jesus, on setting our priority, on resetting that button, on putting aside the anxious toil, the busyness and the social media campaigns. And and again, it's not that we shouldn't work hard. It's not that social media is bad. I'm not using those examples because they're they're horrible things. but, But when we rely on them for fruitfulness, then we're going to come up short. And so I want to invite you into a year of seeking to, above all else, simply to abide in Jesus and his love. Into a year of deeper intimacy and and connection with Jesus, into a greater awareness of the presence of God. This word abide, in the Greek it's menon, is actually a verb. It's not a passive thing. We might think, and, and that's why I'm, you know, also because I think it sounds better, but that's why I'm not using the word remain because remain has the sense of, of stationary, of, of just not moving from where you are, not, not going anywhere. And, and so I think uh, abide isn't actually a stationary thing. And the Greek word manone's not a stationary thing. It's, it's a verb. That is an active word. It's a doing word. Abide isn't the absence of doing something. You can remain in your seat this morning and be doing nothing. But abiding takes action. It takes choice. It's, it's something that you do. It's about connection. It's about intimacy. It's about choosing to go deeper and closer. Uh, throughout the scriptures, there's these pictures of, of people choosing to abide in God's presence. 
And often the, the crowd is doing something different or others are doing something different, but, but, but God is, is looking for those who choose to abide in his presence. And so in Exodus 33, 11, and, and just to set the scene, this is, this is uh, Israel. They've, they've been freed from Egypt and, and um, they're on their journey towards the promised land. And, and we're told that Moses set up a tent of meeting uh, outside the camp. This is not the tabernacle. Um, that was built and set up in the, the centre of the camp. But sometimes in Scripture, the references seem to cross over and sometimes it's not clear exactly which one has been spoken about, to me at least. Sometimes I get confused. But Moses set up a, a, a tent of meeting and it said that Moses, when he walked out to the tent, the, the cloud that hovered over uh, God's people and led them through uh, the wilderness to the promised land would come and shift over and descend upon this tent. And then we're told the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So Moses had this uh, intimate conversation and encounter with God Almighty. What the crowd would do, what, 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 what the people would do, it says they would come to the edge outside their tents and watch Moses walk out to the tent of meeting, but they would stay next to their tent. And we're actually told, in, it's more about when Moses went up to the mountain, but we're, we're told that they actually wanted distance from the presence of God. They said to Moses, you go and you talk to God, but we don't want to come anywhere near him. We're afraid. And so Moses would go out to the tent of meeting. He would speak to God face to face. But it's actually Joshua that gives us this picture of what it looks like to abide. It says, then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And so Joshua gives us this picture of, of what it looks like to simply choose to spend his life abiding in the presence of God. Now we know at some point Joshua leaves the tent because this isn't the last time we hear of him. Joshua is one of only two spies out of 12 who went to the promised land, saw what they considered to be giants, felt like grasshoppers, came back and said, all of this is there, all of this is true, what God's promised and there's great opposition. But, but Joshua is only one of two who said, but God is able. Joshua and Caleb. And then Joshua was, was the one that, that God, through Moses, appointed to lead, 40 years later, God's people into the promised land. I think it's no coincidence that, that it was Joshua, the one who chose to abide in the presence of God. When some stayed at their tents, some came and spoke to God, had this profound encounter, but, but then kept going back home. And, and that was Moses doing his job. I'm not trying to criticize Moses, but, but Joshua chose to abide in jeremiah 17 7 to 8 and i've highlighted some 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 key words here we're going to pick up later but but this prophet who, who prophesied into a pretty barren situation this is kind of exile time for israel this is it's all over red rover but he said this, God said this through him, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. 
And so it's a similar picture to what, what Jesus gives us about abiding in him. And, and but this is saying being planted by the water. The water here represents trusting in God, abiding in him. Those who are planted, those who send out roots by the stream and actively anchor themselves there, abiding in God, will still experience heat in life. We'll still experience seasons and years of drought. This is not saying, I've threatened to preach a series like this just so I can live it out. It's not saying when you come to Jesus, everything is fun and happy and easy. It's not saying when you anchor yourself in Jesus, when you abide in him, everything will always look awesome. They're saying there will be seasons where the heat's just beating down on you. There will be seasons of drought. There will be dry ground. But if you are planted in Jesus, if you have abided in him, and says, your, your leaves will always be green. You will never fail to bear fruit. This is so encouraging for me, but it's also so challenging. Because it uproots any excuse that I might have to stop being fruitful. I, I, I might go, well, I, I can't bear fruit at the moment because life's just so hard. It's a drought. I can't bear fruit in a drought. Uh, the, the heat of life is just beating down on me. My fruitfulness is all dried up. But, but this scripture tells us if, we, if we're abiding in Jesus, if we're planted by the stream, if our roots are actively reaching out towards him, we will never fail to bear fruit. There are seasons in life of more and less, but but if we're planted in Jesus, we have no reason to fear. We will bear fruit in every season. In Luke 10.39, we're told uh, of a time that Jesus um, was traveling through uh, the region of Judah, um, a town of uh, Bethany, and and we're told that a, a woman named Martha invited him into his home for a meal. And we're told that that woman, Martha, had a sister called Mary. And it says she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And so many of us would know the stories that that this upset Martha, that she was cooking dinner and and, uh, uh, Mary was just sitting on her backside doing nothing. But the thing is, she wasn't sitting on her backside doing nothing. She wasn't remaining on the floor. She was abiding in Jesus. She was sitting at his feet. That speaks of proximity to Jesus. She was next to him. She positioned herself near to Jesus. Like a tree planted next to the stream, Mary put herself next to Jesus, but she wasn't just next to Jesus. She wasn't just sitting. She was listening.
Put up your hand if you know there's a difference between hearing something and listening to it. Because Jesus spoke to crowds and he said, those who have ears, let them hear or, or, or let them actually listen. Don't, don't just hear the noise. It might just be my children, but I'm sure it's an experience of all parents. Um, if you're not a parent yet, then maybe you just need to t- make this about you, Abraham. But um, <laughs> Sorry, mate. But who's had an experience of carefully explaining something to their child only for them to ask the exact same question like as soon as you finish that explanation. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Renee's shaking her head. She's never had that experience. She's, she's... Yes. I was trying to help you out there. Mary wasn't doing nothing. But that's what it looked like to Martha. Sometimes if we're caught up in the busyness and the anxiousness and the, and the striving, those who are doing the abiding, it can look like they're just they're not doing nothing. Do something! Get off your butt, Mary, and help. Jesus' response was, she's chosen what's best and it's not going to be taken from her. If we choose to abide in Jesus... That won't be taken from us. She sat at Jesus' feet. She, she positioned herself next to him and she listened. Another verb. Another something to do. In John thirteen twenty three, at, at the Last Supper... All the disciples were sitting around the table. If you believe, believe Leonardo da Vinci, they all sat on one side uh, for some reason. I've seen a joke about that. It says, um, like, Jesus goes to the restaurant and says, can I, can I have a table for 26, please? Uh, and, and the maitre d' says, well, there's only third of you, 13 of you. And he says, yes, we all intend to sit on one side. <laughs> um, but so Jesus sat around the table... It's important to clarify that theologically with his disciples, not just on one side. Key point, that's the takeaway for this morning. Please don't forget it. So they're all sitting around the table. But one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, self-proclaimed but true. Because how many of the disciples did Jesus love? Or 12, we're speaking of the 12 here. Even Judas, who at this very meal, Jesus revealed would betray him to his death. But John gets it. This is the, the, the Apostle John writing his account of, of Jesus' life and ministry. And he says, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. All of them could have said that. But John received it. And it says one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, out of all the twelve, was reclining next to him. Let me suggest that this translation, um, perhaps, I, I really like the NIV, so I don't want to be critical of, of the translators, but perhaps was translated by men who have some level of discomfort with male, male intimacy. 
Because the actual Greek says he was reclining in the bosom of Jesus. This word bosom isn't actually a reference to breast, it's the, it's the pocket that would come in the top of their cloak from it being folded up together, and it was, but it was actually a, 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 an idea of intimacy, that if you were in someone's bosom, if you were in that chest place, if you were uh, huddled up next to them, you were in a place of deep intimacy. And let me say, there's nothing sexual about this situation but it's deeply intimate. See, John's the one who gets, I am loved by Jesus. If you read his letters, this is the gospel he wrote. If you read 1 John, 2 John and 3 John, it's all about us grasping that we're loved by Jesus and so we're meant to love other people. And and he, he received that, he got that. And so he's the one who, who's reclining in that place, not just next to but kind of on top of Jesus. And so I want to ask you, where are you at that table? Are you up the other end? Uh, are you kind of in the corner? Where, where are you at at the moment with Jesus? There's no guilt or shame, there's no, no wrong answer, but it's just an opportunity for us to think, well, where, where am I at with Jesus? Am I even in the room? And so my encouragement is for us as we seek to abide in Jesus, as we know what Jesus says is that if we want to be fruitful, then we need to abide in him. And that if we abide in him, we will be fruitful. If, if we're, we're planted next to him position-wise, if we're reaching out uh, our, our roots towards him, then we will be fruitful regardless of the circumstances of life. If we want to be like Mary, who, who sat positioned right next to Jesus and listen to his word, then I want to encourage you to, to, to take this picture of intimacy with Jesus and pursue it. Obviously, we don't have Jesus physically with us, which you know, that we might think poses a challenge for intimacy. But in fact, in John 15, he says, I abide in you. We have greater access to intimacy with Jesus than those who walked with him in his physical ministry. He actually said in a couple of chapters' time, it's, it's good for you that I'm returning to the Father because then, then the advocate, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit will be sent. And so Jesus won't just be, be next to us physically. His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is, is in us and all around us. And so we have great access to intimacy with Jesus. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, we have great access to intimacy. The choice is for us to be active in abiding, to choose to dwell, to focus our attention on that presence, to plant ourselves next to it. And so what does it look like for us to abide in Jesus. See, the, the, the word I want to encourage us to pursue this year is, is to abide, but, but what we've done and what Alex has put together uh, in, a, in a helpful way for us 
um, that looks awesome and communicates the message is, is we're thrown a cloud of words at it that, that, that surround this idea of what it means to abide. It, it means to make one's abode in. It means to live there in the presence of Jesus. It means to nest. I love that picture of... of uh, I don't love that... that uh, Birds are trying to nest in my new shed. But, but I love that picture, that idea of, of birds going and getting a twig and putting it and getting another twig and, and just that meticulous building of a place to dwell in Jesus. It means to lodge, it means to reside, it means to continue, it means to be immersed in, it means to perch, it means to roost, it means to bunk, it means to stay, to endure. Just as I don't think there's a coincidence that Joshua was the one who refused to leave the tent where God manifested his presence, there's not a coincidence that, that John, the one who got Jesus loves me, who dwelled intimately, intimately in Jesus' earthly life and ministry, it's not a coincidence, I don't think, that he was the only one of the disciples. The men disciples, I mean. There's plenty of women who showed up. But John was the only one of the twelve who was at the cross. See, abiding isn't just when it's fun and happy to be in the presence of Jesus. It does mean enduring. It means staying in that place even when it means going to the cross with Jesus. It means to submit to. Abiding in Jesus means submitting to his presence, to his will, not our own. It means to linger, to pause. And so I love that word abide. It speaks deeply to me. But I just want to encourage you to, to take a moment. I'll get out of the way and just to look at the screen. Some words are bigger than others, of course. But, but just to grab, using that, that picture, what the Holy Spirit might be leading you in this morning. Right now, what does abiding look like to you? Does it look like simply choosing to stay with God when the temptation is to not? Does it look like choosing to linger when the temptation is just to tick a prayer and a devotion off the box every now and again? Does it look like submitting it look like building a nest does it look like making room we can leave the lights off because it's not really about seeing me it's about seeing Jesus what does it look like for you and sometimes it's perhaps easier to think about what doesn't it look like I'd suggest that, in, in, and, and this is key in this, this time and age, and, and it's actually, I just think it's great that we can hear the kids out there because, because the challenge is our attention goes over here. Because w what happens in life, and it was probably true of all ages, but, but, but I think we live in a, a, an age of significant distraction. An age where the temptation is to fill 
the silence, the space with noise, with busyness. And so it looks like choosing not to be distracted by those things. I said I'd come back to the fact that the, the, the clear reality that, well, there's a lot of people that are usually here that aren't here this morning. And, and for me as a pastor, that, that is such a distraction for me. See, I come to church and I'm thinking, I'm coming to worship Jesus. I'm coming to, to share from his word. And then there's such a pull to spend all of the worship time thinking, where are they all? What's the point? Why do I bother? Well, abiding in Jesus looks like choosing not to go down that pathway. I came here to worship. And so I'll worship. And it's not always just... It can be like, well, I know that these people at School Spectacular, Tony's at work, and I'm counting up. But I'm not here to count up, I'm, I'm, I'm here to worship. And, and so, you know, abiding isn't just about coming to church. I don't want to give you that idea that this is just a, oh, everyone come to church kind of message. But, but there's so much about when we gather to church that's important and, and, and there's so much about it that, you know, we, we all come here, we, you know, hopefully you're coming here because you want to worship Jesus, you want to be planted in his word, you, you want to flourish in fruitfulness together as a church, but, oh, there's my mate. And I'll just have, oh, I've talked to him all morning and now I've missed worship. There's nothing wrong with your friend and... and Hear me, there's times where that's the important thing to do and that's what abiding looks like is sharing with one another in conversation. But, but the reality is that, that when we gather for worship, we have an enemy that, that doesn't want our mornings together to be about abiding in Jesus. There's so much that can distract and disrupt and uproot us from that focus when we gather as a church. And so a year of abiding in Jesus looks like, I think, hitting the refresh button on that a little bit. This is, again, it's not the only thing. It's not, not about just coming to church, but just while we're dwelling in that place. It looks like resetting our focus when it comes to church. About being there, about being there, more importantly, to worship. But if the enemy can distract us from, from worshipping on a Sunday morning when we've gathered together for that specific reason, how much more so does that happen the other seven times 24 hours that we have in the rest of the week? See, abiding isn't just about coming to church and just about coming to church to worship is... It, you can't say you abide in something that you only do once a week with other people. Abiding looks like making our home in Jesus. It's a 24-7 reality. You know, there's no specific way that abiding has to find outward expression. It doesn't have to look like an extrovert. It doesn't have to look like an introvert. 
for an extrovert, that might be out here and loud and, and, and worshipping loudly. For an introvert, it might be still and small. But I would say some of us introverts need to find some extroversion in our relationship with Jesus and some of us extroverts need to find some introversion in our relationship with Jesus. What I mean by that is not one's right and one's wrong, but, but that if your time with Jesus is always loud and noisy and expressive, then, then I encourage you, there's, there's beauty in finding a still small space with Jesus. But if your life is filled with still small spaces in Jesus, then there, there's some beauty in, in shouting about it from time to time, whatever that might look like for you. It's not about right and wrong. It's not about being expressive is better than being still and quiet, but it is about just simply choosing to abide in Jesus. It's about saying no to busyness. Busyness. It is about saying no to just simply adding activities to our lives and and that's such a temptation for a church especially as we do grow that we want to do more things and oh like we've got more people so let's let's add a ministry let's let's do more and more and more but abiding isn't just about doing stuff and so sometimes we need to learn to actually do less so that we can simply just abide in Jesus and it looks like saying no to striving. It's such a self-defeating cycle, this striving to be fruitful, which pulls us away from abiding in Jesus, which reduces our fruitfulness, which causes us to strive more, and we just end up in that cycle. It, it's about choosing to trust Jesus and choose to simply, I am going to make my home in Him. I'm going to let him worry about the fruitfulness. And so like a tree, it is about being planted, about positioning ourselves next to him. And, and so there is ways of tangibly doing that in our life. We can plant ourselves next to him. We can position ourselves at his feet when we worship. And that's not just about songs, but it's about directing our heart towards praising God. We can position ourselves next to Jesus when we pray. We can position ourselves next to Jesus when we read, our, read His Word, when we gather together in His name. That, those are things that, that tangibly position ourselves next to Jesus. I'm not saying Jesus is in those places. I'm just saying this is how we work it out. It is about sending out roots about seeking to be nourished and refreshed by Jesus. Sending out roots to His stream, to His presence, and not other things. It is about choosing to listen. What needs to be closed when we listen? Our mouth. And so abiding is about just simply choosing to listen to God. It is about intimacy. It is about not just positioning ourselves next to Jesus, but, but pursuing intimacy with Him. 
It's not about just spend like the Bible translators of that, oh, reclining on his bosoms a little bit too much for me, so we'll just say he sat next to him. Don't have a sit next to Jesus level of intimacy. Don't settle, sorry, I should say. Don't settle for a sitting next to Jesus level of intimacy. Don't settle for just being in the room. But pursue a reclining on the bosom of Jesus level of intimacy. And it's about not leaving. I don't mean you can't move house. You can't follow his calling elsewhere. But it is about simply choosing to remain and follow when it's not all fun and easy. It is about continuing to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus when his footsteps take him to the cross. It is about choosing when when others are going off to their busyness to remain in the tent. Because you simply just haven't had enough. It is about, about lingering. And what I mean by that is, you know, we can think, oh yeah, I'm, I'm abiding in Jesus because I'm ticking, you know, I'm on new version, I'm doing the devotion and I'm only six days behind. Let me tell you, I'm like 400, no, not 400, there's only 365 days. I am about 150 days behind on my read the Bible in a year plan. I'm gradually ticking it off. But it's not just about ticking off the box on you version, which is an awesome tool to help us be abiding in Jesus. But it's not just about ticking that box, it's about lingering there. About just dwelling in that space. Lingering with Jesus. Just turning your attention to his presence. Seeking to become aware of him. There's a, a, a recording of a worship song, and I can't remember the song, but, but uh, this isn't actually part of the song, I don't think, but, but it's talking about worship, but it's saying we don't want to sing about you like you're not in the room. And so lingering, abiding is, is about, well, I don't just want to read this book as if the God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and earth, who this book is about, and it's about my relationship with him and redemptive history. I don't want to read about it like a history book, like he's not right here with me and in fact in me. I don't want to pray as if I'm, I'm sending off emails to heaven. I want to pray like he's right here with me and in me. And so lingering is, is, is just taking that moment to pause. Abiding is, is about just taking that moment to pause and be aware of that rather than just ticking the box. It can be simply about just creating the time and the space for intimacy. So many relationship experts, when they speak about marriage, will talk about how important it is to have a date night. It's not important what you do, actually. 
I mean, there's stuff that's helpful and unhelpful, but, but simply the, the importance of setting aside time and space to be together. Well, to grow in our abiding, our intimacy with Jesus, sometimes it's simply about, I'm just going to set aside the time and the space and, and I'm just going to abide in Jesus. And if you haven't been on a date in a while with your spouse and you go, we're going to go out on a date, sometimes there's not fireworks. Sometimes it takes a bit of time to rebuild that connection. And so the same might be true if, if, you, if you're kind of not in a space of deep intimacy with Jesus and you make a date with him, you might end up sitting there, so what you been doing lately? Any stuff? How about the kids? They're going all right at school. Yeah. There might not be fireworks that I, I pray that there is. But abiding looks like choosing to keep going on date nights with Jesus. And so I want to invite you, as a church, those, the faithful few gathered here this morning, and hopefully some more listening to the podcast, I want to invite you to make 2020 a year of, if vision is about focus and direction, making that a year for us as individuals, and collectively as a church about simply choosing to abide in Jesus and his love. About trusting that it's actually not our activities and I'm not planning on cancelling all of our ministries and things like that. Um, It's not about stopping doing all of those things uh, unless God leads us into that. But but to realise and trust that our, our fruitfulness as a church, our fruitfulness as individuals doesn't come from an abundance of activity but from a deep abiding in Jesus. So we're going to pick this up uh, again next year. And we're going to flow on with this. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to pursue what it looks like to abide in Jesus. Um, as the, the worship team comes, I, I just want to, I think, I just want to touch... Um, briefly on our, our vision offering. And so we've spoken about we're, we're going to do a vision offering today and what, what we're actually going to do is, is have an opportunity to give in a vision offering um, today um, but also over the next few weeks as we lead up to Christmas. And um, So I'll be sharing more about that. Um, I won't be upset if it's not filled this morning but... We often do our special offerings in a pot and I often grab the smallest one. So I just felt this morning, not that I want to put any expectation on you that this be filled this morning, but I just felt as I went to get the pot from the kitchen, God said, grab the big one. And so uh, most of us, myself included, haven't come prepared to give in the vision offering this morning. So I don't want you to feel any shame by just grabbing the pot and passing it on, but I am going to pass it around. And what I want to encourage you to do is just just reflect and, and to begin to pray, and we'll have opportunity over the weeks to come and think about, what would you call me to give, God? 
And so the idea of our vision offering is a little bit different to our regular offering, our regular weekly Sunday offerings or whether you do it online. That's about faithfulness and obedience. It's about worship and trusting God with our finances, that just regularly giving to God's church. But I want to encourage you to think about our vision offering is about investment. It's about a declaration, an investment into saying, I want God, I want to see God do great things through this church. I want to invest into what God's doing here. So my hope is, as God enables, that God will lead us all um, to make an investment into the future of Yas Community Baptist Church. So I'm going to pray. We are going to worship. Um, we are going to pass the pot around. And again, don't feel any shame for putting nothing in this morning. Just let it be symbolic of this invitation to give. Heavenly Father, I pray for our church family, those gathered here today, those absent for whatever reason. I pray that you would lead us into greater depths of intimacy with your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that you would lead us into the choice of abiding. I pray that you would lead us to grow in our awareness of your presence. I pray that the year to come would be a profound year for us as a church in which we learn to deeply and resolutely abide in Jesus. I pray that next year, 2020, would be a year in which we see the promise of Jesus truly borne out. That as we abide in Him, we become abundantly fruitful. And Father, I pray for this invitation towards a vision offering over the, the weeks to come. I pray that you would lead us as we're able to make an investment into what you are calling us into as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.